0: You're listening to Strictly Business podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And Wayne, I was thinking about change, and having spoken to you for a number of years on television and radio, on podcasts, etc. I think you're a, you're sort of a creature of habit. And I thought about it today, if your Sunday lunchtime restaurant closed, for example, which is, you know, you've got your own table there, it's assumed that you're going to be there. If you're not going to be there, uh, then you have to phone them to say you're not going to be there rather than you are going to be there, you know what I mean? So you are are very much a creature of habit and you love it. And I thought, what would happen... If they did close, you'd have to go somewhere else, you'd have to change your habits, you would probably be a little bit distraught, uh, wouldn't know how to behave because of the closure of this fine establishment. And it's the same with the markets. I mean, we've had since 2009 this incredible stimulus, and now the stimulus is being taken away and now interest rates are rising, money's becoming more expensive. So how can we possibly expect market participants to behave in a rational manner? just after six, nine, 12 months. So the markets are like Wayne McCurry. And I think there's more volatility to come. Do you not think so as well?
0: Now, look, Lindsay, just a a little point of order. I'm not really a creature of habit. I actually don't like repetitiveness and and habit at all. I like to do things very differently. The only thing that I I am a creature of habit is Sunday lunch at the same place. And I would be completely devastated. My life would be thrown into turmoil mm-hmm. if they had to close down. But to come to your question about the market, yes. just some context first. Normally, inflation and interest rates, and I'm talking America, is between 2 and 3%. So, interest rates vary between 2 and 3%. Sometimes they go down to 1%, sometimes they go up to 4 But that's been the pattern since the early 80s, roughly speaking. Okay. Now, we had a period post the global financial crisis in 2008 where effectively inflation and interest rates went to zero and governments and central banks threw billions into the system to save the world, to save the banking system, to save the economy, to save the debt market, to save everything. And they did. And I mean, and they did. And everyone thought this is a free lunch, and I'll come back to this free lunch concept now. So for let's call it call it 12 years we are 10, 10, 12 years you had the best possible environment for shares and bonds, by the way, but we're just talking shares at the moment. Mm-hmm. You had no inflation, no interest rates, and a recovering economy. So life was wonderful for shares. And in, in what's called a growth environment, the growth shares, the new age shares, the new things, the new sectors, the tech shares did the best out of everyone, but all shares did well. Because in that environment, if you're an investor and you say, I can put my bank in, I can put my money in the bank and earn zero, or I can buy shares and at least, you know, bare minimum get a dividend yield out of the shares. So what's going to happen, the share market goes up, people buy shares. And for 10 years, it was just too wonderful. Now quite often in that 10 years, I mentioned two things. I said, first of all, is this a free lunch? Because I've never come across a free lunch in investments before. The second thing was that the returns for the next decade will probably only be Half, if not less, the total market returns you've had for the previous decade, and you know coupled to that, the previous decade was abnormally good. The next decade is just going to be normal it's just going to, it's, it's not normal for equity markets to perform so well, and the next decade we get is when the markets are going to return to normal valuation levels, inflation and interest rates will return to normal valuation levels. And obviously then the market will start to give you normal returns, not these double digit returns almost year in and year out without any major correction. So right now, so what's happening now is that we are doing this correction to normality. At the moment it's not normality. You know, at the moment with the high inflation and high interest rates, it's highly abnormal to have them so high. But it is there are many aspects in there that's to do with base effects, that's to do with the COVID, that's to do with supply chains. So there's a whole lot of these inflationary uh, factors are going to work their way out of the system in the, over the next year or maybe a little bit longer. And inflation in America will return to more normalized levels between, let's say, averaging between 2 and 4% over the next decade. And the equity market is doing that adjustment. Let's hope and pray it doesn't adjust to a permanent 7% inflation in America because that would be catastrophic. The market would collapse. But the market, even though it's weakening now, it realizes that the 7% is not the new norm. The new norm is going to be the old norm, which is normality between 2 and 4%. And it's making that adjustment. And the reason why it got such a fright of, on Thursday, yes. I mean I don't think the Federal Reserve said anything new. They said what they said it in a different way, Wayne.
1: They, they said something new. They said yeah. something new on Thursday night, Friday morning at, at Jackson Hole. In other words, Jerome Powell, the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve. He said something that we already knew. But on the other hand, he said it in a more uh, forceful manner. In other words, he said he, he was more forceful. Yeah. But what he said
0: is, is, is has, has always been the case. And we've spoken about this often. Inflation is enemy number one. Mm-hmm. And they will do what's necessary to knock it on its head, right. even if that means... The economy goes into recession. They are going to knock it on its head. Now, I think the reason why the markets fell is that they rallied too much. The market was overly optimistic. You know, the rally we've had up until last Thursday for the previous month where the market recouped virtually all of the losses it had made. I mean, that, that, uh, we've also spoken about this saying it's a bear market rally and that the market was way too optimistic. In other words, if the market hadn't have gone up 10, 15%, and uh, Powell gave exactly the same speech as he did, it wouldn't have fallen, it wouldn't be in this weakness. But I concur totally with you, there's more weakness to come. I still, however, think inflation is going to fall quite significantly, and in the second half of next year, we're going to see interest rate
1: cuts. Okay, so. B- look b- at but before at you oil. go on, Wayne, I mean, you always you, yeah. you're the two to three to uh, two to three percent man. But there are city analysts and that giant bank. I think it's got a blue label or something, but anyway, it's a giant bank. It says that UK inflation is going to go, and they're very specific. I think they say eighteen point one percent. Eighteen point whatever, yeah. Exactly. There's another bank that says that inflation could go to twenty percent. So in order to go to eighteen, nineteen, twenty percent, it has there has to be some very very large. Um, supply chain issues, and also um, commodity price increases. Now, I'm looking at my screen, my yes. CRB commodity price screen, and I've got the following. I've got Brent crude oil down 2 and 2 thirds percent, natural gas down 1 percent, gasoline down two and a half percent, and so it goes yeah. on. Uh, coal down 2 percent, iron ore down 4 percent. So how can this be?
0: Where do they yeah, get these exactly. numbers from? Europe, Europe is different because of this gas thing. Now, you must remember what grabs the headlines and what the people actually say are sometimes two different things. Now, what grabbed the headline was the 18 point whatever. Yeah. But when you actually read the report and look at it, they say if this trend in gas prices continues, inflation could go to 18%. If, being
1: so they're though, not
0: forecasting anything. Mm,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: They're saying that if we get another 1,000% in gas prices. In other words, if the current trend continues, which is possible, I mean, who knows? Then we're going to get 18. They're not forecasting that inflation is going to 18. But so what grabs the headlines is, inflation is forecast to go to 18, and that's not what they said there. They said, if the current trend in gas prices, et cetera, et cetera, continues, it'll go to 18. So, you know, there's you've got to be very careful sometimes about Almost sensationalism headlines. I doubt doubt in the extreme that it'll go to 18, because as you've said, and as we've spoken about last week and the previous weeks, food prices have rolled over, oil prices have rolled over, commodity prices have rolled over. And with the economy going into recession, wage inflation will also roll over. Europe is different because of Russia and the gas. So that's why I was talking specifically about America. You know, they're not not as affected, nearly as much affected by gas, the gas price as what Europe and the UK is. I mean, they are sort of in the eye of the storm there. Mm. But of course, that too will come to an end. I mean, Russia can't continue economically, can't continue the war, number one and number two. They want to sell gas. You know, so the moment there's some resolution on the wall, you know, they'll probably the gas price will probably collapse by fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty
1: percent. This is the point. You know,
0: virtually overnight.
1: Before you go on, I have to say that during the global health crisis, uh, people change their habits, and human beings are very resilient and very resourceful. Wayne, they change their habits. You change, huh? If your restaurant closes down, you'll change your habits. But in the, in the in the short term. It, it, it's disruptive to, to you and your partner's Correct. life. Um, so what will happen is that everyone, you know, Putin and his cohorts say, oh, well, you know, we'll cut your gas off. And the West will say, okay, well, the UK has just opened the we'll largest, largest wind farm. It's just opening it um, in, in the next few days. Yes. It's suddenly coming on stream. It's four times the size Correct. of the city of Manchester. It can it, it can supply electricity to 1.1 million homes almost immediately yep. so Russia can and sit there and say we've got no gas but on the other hand the UK yes. says okay well we've got you know, wind now so all they're doing yeah go
0: on and 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 I mean this this is one of my current themes and it's been around for a while mm. I think the the fossil fuel suppliers whether that's gas or oil or coal or whatever actually are shooting themselves in the foot by these high prices now let's talk oil specifically because gas is another story with russia okay go on i think they should get that price right down pump as much as what they can Hmm. because all these high prices and all this crisis is doing is massively accelerating the move away from fossil fuels because i mean you go and i go and fill up my car now and it costs you almost two thousand rand to fill up a tank. I mean, that's massive. Yeah. So now I'm thinking, hey, shouldn't my next car possibly be electric? But then you got Eskimo, but let's forget about that. I'm just using it. E- everyone in the whole world is saying, oh, shouldn't my next car be electric? And the people in the UK and Europe with gas and heating their houses, they say, well, you just have to buy five jerseys and an electric heater and not heat my house with oil or gas because it's just too expensive. I mean, there's one thing I find very strange about the UK. In the middle of winter, you go into a person's house or a pub or a restaurant. It's so hot, you've got to take your jersey off and you sit there and the owner sits there in short-sleeved shirts. Shirt, I mean, they massively, in my view, massively overheat it. It's okay to be a little cold in winter. It's all right. You don't have to freeze, but it's okay to be it's okay to wear a jersey inside. You don't have to walk around in short sleeve shirts inside, you know. So that's what people are going to do if the gas price is high. They're just simply going to lose, use less.
1: Humans and will as adapt, as you
0: said. People are very resilient. People yes. can adapt to virtually anything. I agree with you entirely. You know, so, mm. so you know, they will find gas from somewhere else. It might take time, but you know, it's, this is just hastening the already well-established move away from fossil fuels. And forget the environmental impact and forget all of that. When it hits your pocket, you change quickly. Yeah. When, yeah. when it's actually affecting your rands and sense, you change very, very quickly. Same as Eskom in South Africa now. You know, it's, 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 to put it, very simplistically, it's almost an economic decision now to put in solar or whatever, because you can actually afford to do it by by the reduction you get in your electricity cost. And that's just in a household. You know, for the big, big producers, I know that you can now produce as much as what you want to, but they're probably going to save money by building their own power plants and not paying ESCAP. So now it's not, even a, it's not even an environmental concern. It's, it's an economic. You actually, it actually pays you. Now, I know I'm involved with Emira Property Group, and now it actually pays us to, if we've got a big enough roof area, to put in solar panels in our shopping centers, et cetera, and it's a commercial decision. It actually, you can you get a you get a payoff in about three four years. It's paid for by the amount of money you save in electricity because that's the extent of where the cost of electricity has gone to. So, you know, Eskom's high price of electricity, which I which I, I get, they've got to have because uh, I mean they're totally and utterly bankrupt. They're actually shooting themselves in the foot because they want people to use electricity use less electricity. But ultimately, these high prices are there's going to be more people using less electricity. And in, you know, it's quite possible in X number of years' time, Eskom will have surplus capacity because so many people will go off, well, not use less electricity, but use less Eskom. People will just go off Eskom and produce their own electricity, whether it's wind farm or solar or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, but to come back to the share market, the share market is making this adjustment to a more normalized environment. But how long? And as I mentioned. The,
1: but when, how oh, long? Look, look luckily enough,
0: lucky enough, lucky enough, bear markets are quick. On on one condition, the bear markets are quick, and that is inflation doesn't stay high. If if I'm correct and you correct, inflation falls sometimes in the second half of next year. Yes then the bear market correction will be quick. Normally, the only long bear market I know is in the 70s when inflation stayed high. But in the 70s, the central banks made the error of not increasing interest rates enough to clobber inflation. And that's why it stayed high. And that's why the equity market did badly. I mean, there is one other bear market, which is the U.S. bear market from 2000. two onwards, but it just got way too high in 2002 and it took 10 years to get back to its level, but that had nothing to do with inflation. It was actually the valuation of the market was so crazy in 2002 and 2003. It wasn't a, let's call it, it wasn't a normal bear market. But even then the market corrected very quickly right in the beginning and then slowly crawled its way back. So normally bear markets are very quick. So you get the pain over quickly. And I thought that's great. The market was falling; everything was good. You know, we spoke about it that it's near the bottom, that the majority of the bear market is over. Then the thing rallies. But you know, I still think we're going to see more weakness. Maybe another fifteen percent, 15 percent. That's huge. I don't think there's any reason. That's already rallied. It's just giving back. It's just giving. It's just taking away what it gave you in the last month up until last Thursday. That's not huge. So I, I, we may test the previous lows, um, possibly test the previous lows, but there's no need for this market to fall 40%. You know, from the absolute high levels, 20, 25 is more than enough to take all the factors into account, assuming that we're both right and inflation starting to roll over. You know, if oil goes back to 140 and copper goes goes back to its previous highs. Then that's all off the table.
1: I don't see, I don't see it happening with with, with the world's economy slowing it, yeah. down. I don't see it happening. No, with
0: going into a recession, it, it, it's, I can't see it happening either. No. Because when you're going into a recession, prices fall, labour prices fall, commodity prices, food prices, all prices fall.
1: So what do you do because now? We, we, we've spoken about your behaviour if your restaurant closed. Uh, on, on, on a Sunday, you'd have to adjust. Are you adjusting now? Or are you just saying to yourself, as, as as a fund manager, an asset manager, are you adjusting the way that you approach asset management? Or are you just saying, this is just something I've seen over the last 30, 40 years. I've seen it before. We're, we're adjusting we're adjusting
0: doing? one or two things. All right. <laughs> First of all, until the market started to rally about a month, month and a half ago, mm. we were waiting to buy, waiting to buy, and, and the market ran away, and we didn't buy. So now, if we get this weakness that I think will happen, then we will buy again. Hopefully, we get, we get somewhere near the bottom, and we start buying. But the adjustment in our behavior, specifically in this period of the market, let's call it returning to normality, is these big tech shares. You you can't just close your eyes and buy tech anymore on the basis of the, or on, on the basis of it's just going to get, it's expensive, but it's just going to get more expensive. The age of tech share prices outperforming everything else is finished. They're just normal companies now. They're normal companies. They're great companies, lots of them. They're massive companies with huge cash flows. But they won't be valued in the stratosphere anymore. They'll just be valued under normal valuation parameters. And all of the companies making huge, huge, huge losses that had these astronomical share prices, those days are gone. So it's not dissimilar to 2003. You know, in two thousand and three, most of those companies that had these fantastic share prices just didn't even survive, let alone you know, share price going down, a lot of them didn't survive. That's not the case now. These big techs obviously are going to survive. You know, they're the truly big ones. But they're not going to be put on 40 price earnings ratios or 80 price earnings ratios. They're going to be put on 20 price earnings ratios. And they're the classic example for a South African person. Yes. Is 10 cent and the effect that it's had on nice pass and process. I mean, I know they've rallied strongly because of the share buyback, but you know, they even with the strong rally, they still, I don't know, 50% off their off their highs because 10 Cent was valued into the into the you know into the stratosphere, being a big tech company, and now it's just being valued like a normal company. And when it comes up with bad results, it gets hammered. Whereas you know, in the in in the glory years, you could almost put up any result you wanted to, your share price didn't get hammered because that those were the circumstances. So I think that's where we're changing our, our behavior. It's not just tech at any cost. I mean, I've spoken to so many people, and I was treated, and I have been treated a few times in my life as a Luddite. You know, I just try to explain this is a unique set of circumstances that are pumping these tech shares, and people get quite upset because they say, no, you just close your eyes and buy American tech. That's it. You don't worry about anything else because this is the new age. Now we know those share prices have come under huge pressure, but maybe now, or maybe after we get some more weakness, it's the time to actually go and buy them because they obviously are extremely good companies. Just the share price was crazy.
1: Yes, if if they're thirty, forty percent off their lows, and if they're good companies, I don't, uh, cons- I don't think that something, something like Netflix, which is, which is cast. As a, a tech company, I don't think it's a tech company. It's an entertainment company, and there's a, a, it's entertainment company. Yeah. Exactly, but I think Microsoft and um, the others, Apple and all Apple, the others. I mean, Apple is obviously the the premium the, the premium, uh, the, the premium uh, entry to that uh, particular sphere, and I would always buy that. But um, yeah, Wayne, um, we've got to talk about two things before we get to food, and uh, there's been two. There's been two retail companies that have caught the eye. One is Woolies today, with the share price up nearly 5%. They came out with their annual results. And the other one was, of course, yesterday when Massmart announced that Walmart might be buying the rest of the shares that they don't own. Now, would you buy either of those?
0: Well, you can't buy Walmart and you can't buy Massmart anymore. Because it's going to be More or less, the share price has already taken that into account by going up 50% in a day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be delisted. Woolworths, yes. I would actually buy it now. When you look at their results, I mean, obviously, Australia in particular was badly affected by the lockdown, but they told us that already. But their food, what's it, food home, their non, sorry, not food, fashion home and uh, whatever it is, FBH or something like that, Right. Their non-food business actually looks as though there's a bit of a turnaround there, and that's been a problem for them for a long time. So the turnover there was actually reasonably good. Um, their food business turnover was okay. It wasn't as bad as what people expected because they still got they, their, their turnover. Um, when you look at the numbers, it was a very small volume it was. I think it was virtually no volume change when, when you look at the numbers. But everyone was worried that checkers and pick and pay and everyone was sort of eating into their lunch. But that, I think, was the big surprise, is that the food business in South Africa was better than anticipated. And that's why we saw the share price rally. So, yes, Woolworths is a very good company, and I would buy that. Despite, you know, Mass Mart, just a very… Yes, yep, go on. Very brief comment on MassMart. I mean, Walmart had two alternatives. One was to sell the business to some South African or to anyone, but to sell the business. Now, they've got a very good brand, very good business in Macro, and they've got a very good business in Builders Warehouse. Game, they're still trying to turn around. Or the alternative was they don't need capital. They're never going to do a share issue. Why are you list? It's it's. Why you got minority share? Just come in, buy the whole lot out, and so it's it's a it's a vote of confidence by Walmart in the company because it's so small in there and lives. the country as well. Never mind
1: the, just the company and the it's, country and, as and well.
0: That's the second one. Hmm. It's a it's a great it's a great thing for South Africa. Yeah, I agree. It, it is a vote of confidence in South Africa because sometimes we're too negative. When sometimes justifiably too negative, But... We're not we're not a failed state yet, so not yet. It's, it's a good voter conference in South Africa.
1: Very good. Now, Wayne, we've, we've been speaking about woolies, and woolies will never be the same for you because they got the uh, the, the, the the squid dish, the salty uh, squid. Yes, they, they two
0: have... of them actually. Don't don't forget this, the salt and pepper, salt and pepper, salt and pepper crispy calamari. That's the one. And, and, and the peanut butter ice
1: cream. Oh God. Can you imagine uh, just sitting down now, waiting? scarred Wayne, me, yeah. scarred me, scarred. Just imagine now, let's say that your partner's gone away or something on a conference Because yeah, and, and you sat, You went to Woolworths and you got yourself some salt and pepper squid uh, followed by peanut butter ice cream.
0: And you grilled it. And you grilled the salt and pepper squid mm. and you bought a little packet, a little tub of, of, of tartar sauce to go with it. It was just too delicious for words and then the next thing is off the shelf
1: yeah exactly they do I did obviously didn't do much market research when it came to the the mccurry household now uh wayne i have to tell you one thing i spoke to you last week about my ikea uh, meatball experience yes at the actual ikea store and you went again no, no. What I did do, which I didn't tell you, was I bought the frozen meatballs and they provide the sauce as well. So tonight, because I like sure. football and there's a few football matches on tonight, so I thought meatballs, footballs, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook it. Fantastic. So tonight at nine o'clock, I see, I'm going to be eating. I see
0: Shapiro's team's doing so well, they haven't lost a game yet.
1: Yeah, Arsenal, yeah, well, whatever. I that, mean, he must be, he must must be
0: beside himself. In, in 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 a state of euphoria then
1: yeah well it's been a while
0: because <coughs> it's such an unusual that's such a u- unusual occurrence and they head of the, the log aren't they number one on the log
1: yes they are they're normally they're, they're, they're number 10. Exactly. So he's very, very excited and they are playing tonight. So what I thought, there's five games tonight and I switched between the games because I'm a football (coughs) fan and you're not. But I'm going to be eating my Swedish meatballs uh, with the gravy and everything. And um, it's going to be very exciting. But apart from that, I haven't got a food story. Do you have one for me? Yes, a very, a very quick one. Okay, go on. Near
0: that very, that very prestigious establishment where I go to for Sunday lunch every day. Yes. There's an Indian restaurant there that does takeaways, and I've never bought anything from them. Mm-hmm. And this last Sunday, I thought, you know, Sunday night, you you, you know, when, when you have a big lunch, surprisingly enough, you you can get quite peckish at nighttime. You told now, me. Despite the fact you've had a big lunch. Mm-hmm. So I bought, I bought some Indian takeaways from this restaurant. I bought uh, tandoori lamb chops. Mm-hmm. It was too delicious for words. It was delicious and very, very reasonably priced as well. So in fact, we'd be, we didn't have that on Sunday night. We actually had it on Monday night for our dinner because it was such an enormous helping. I mean, there were, there, were, there were five chops and some rice and lovely sauce and gravy, for like 130 rand for five chops. I don't think you could buy five chops raw for 130 rand.
1: Definitely not. So it was delicious. So
0: there are now two fine food establishments in the Peterbell shopping centre.
1: Very good. And as we close this discussion, I will tell you that I found a website called meatlovers.nl or meatlovers.nl, and it delivers food from... It just delivers meat. And I have ordered... Wearing a tomahawk steak, I don't know if you've ever had a tomahawk steak, but what it is, I've is, had a tomahawk. Oh gosh! And I, I read about it, and I thought, "No, I have to have this." So I've got, it's, it's essentially it's a ribeye, but with the with the bone ribeye, yes. with the bone on, and I, I know how to cook it. You yeah. cook it in the oven first. Uh, after marinating it in salt and it, all that sort of thing, I've got the whole thing going. So next week. I'm going to talk to you about my uh, tomahawk steak experience. But
0: isn't isn't a tomahawk steak also an enormous, normally an enormous steak?
1: It's enormous. I mean, for example, if someone broke into your house, you'd go to the fridge, take out your tomahawk steak, and bash the person over the head, and that would and be bash the end of it. Bashing on
0: over the head, yeah, mm. yeah. I've never had a tomahawk, but there's a very nice, very nice restaurant in Parys in the Free State. Oh yeah. That serves a tomahawk and we went there once with friends mm. and it came out on a wooden platter with a tiny little Vice, you know, like a like a real workshop vice, mm. but a very small one attached to the wooden platter and this tomahawk tightly gripped in this vice mm. and I looked at it and I just thought I'm I'm not I'm not manly enough to finish that tomahawk but this chap who's actually quite a scroll character he just quietly sat there and polished off the the tomahawk but i must say it did look delicious i'll
1: will revert to you next week uh wayne thank you so much for your time wayne mccurry is a portfolio manager at fmb wealth and investment in johannesburg and that was wayne on wednesday the views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position